0: Friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Oak Cliff, and if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do, but more importantly, God does. Good to see you all. Thanks for coming out today, and um, we're continuing a, a series on th- the Psalms as Common Prayer, and I'm taking it. It's called Have a Talk with God, which is that great song I mentioned last week, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life, um, best double album. Uh... But it's a great song, and I thought that's what the Psalms are, it's just have a talk with God. But uh, we're going to look at the different ways of being really honest with God, and the Psalms actually open us up to um, have surprising emotions that are not often conjoined together. We think we can't do certain things, and the Psalms gives us permission, I think, to talk to God very frankly about our concerns in life. So we're going to look at Psalm, uh, uh, this Psalm here is uh, Psalm 39. Psalm 39, to the leader, to Jaduthan, a psalm of David. I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I will keep a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. I was silent and still. I held my peace to no avail. My distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. While I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, let me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Surely everyone stands as a mere breath, silah. Surely everyone goes about like a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. They heap, They heap up and do not know who will gather. And now, O oh Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I am silent. I do not open my mouth. For it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am worn down by the blows of your hand. You chastise mortals in punishment for sin, consuming like a moth. What is dear to them? Surely everyone is a mere breath. Selah. Hear my prayer, Lord, and give ear to my cry, and do not hold your peace at my tears. For I am your passing guest, an alien, like all my forebears. Turn your gaze away from me, that I may smile again, before I depart and am no more. Now, Luke 9, verses 51 to 62. When the days drew near for him, that's Jesus, to be taken up, He set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. And on their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for his arrival. But they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and he rebuked them. Then they went on to another village, and as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the Holy Scripture. Let's pray. Lord, even as we sung this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of all of our hearts together be pleasing to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. Okay, um, this is a very strange message for me because what I try to do on Sunday morning is I distill everything. I always get up early and I distill everything to just... As simple as I can, and the, the title is As Simple As I Can. Um, that's really the whole message, help, leave me alone, help. Okay, that's the sermon, that's it. But that's really what the sermon is, that's really what the psalm is. Help, leave me alone, help. I, I, I can't say it any better than that. The psalmist actually is doing that to God. He's saying, help me God, leave me alone God, help me. And that's very confusing for us. But here's why I think this is very, very important. Sometimes faithfulness doesn't look nice. Sometimes faithfulness doesn't sound nice. But it's faithful. is getting her, her doctorate um, in New Testament right now under Scott McKnight, and she's done a lot of work on the first century, particularly on Pharisees, religious leaders. And you know what? She said over and over again, they're probably good neighbors. They were probably really, really nice. What is nice? Nice is someone who's polite. Nice is someone who, when they brush their teeth and put on a two-minute timer, they really brush their teeth for two minutes. That's nice. Nice is, is always having pressed pants. It's nice. Nice is, nice is always having uh, clean spaces and never, never uttering, um, a naughty word. That's nice. Jesus was not nice. He was kind. He was good. He wasn't nice. He just said to people right there, "Oh Lord, I'll follow you, but can I can I go bury my dad?" He says, "No." That wasn't nice. He had his two best friends, James and John. They, they said, "Lord, do you want us to, to send down thunder on these people?" And Jesus said, "No, I'm with. You. I don't do violence. What's wrong with you guys?" Essentially, like, no. And then another guy said, "Oh well, Lord, I, I want to follow you. Can I, can I say goodbye to my family? No. That wasn't nice at all. Not nice. But he didn't sin. See, niceness is overrated. Niceness is, over, niceness is why people don't go to church, because churches are filled with nice people. But here's what nice gets away with. Here's what I mean by this. When someone is nice, people can't say mean things about them. You can't say mean things about nice people. You know why? Because they're nice. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying unkind. We have to be kind. Kindness is beautiful. Kindness is caring for other people. But niceness hides two things really well. You know what it hides? Judgmentalism. Oh, nice people are very judgmental. But you can't say anything about it. You know why? Because they're nice. And niceness hides selfishness. We know it. We know it. So why am I bringing this up? Well, in the Psalms, we have people have all these kinds of emotions. And not one is nice. They're holy and good and kind and upset, but they're not nice. And when you look at the Psalms, it just exposes to us how honest people are. And how faithful they are. So I gave some hand motions last week. When we pray, we tend to do like this. Like this is the this is one prayer motion. But uh, this is like the Psalms of orientation. We hold our hands like this, or like this. Like I need nourishment. God, fill me up. Or clapping. So there's the Psalms of rejoicing and clapping and dancing. There's the Psalms like this. There's also the Psalms I said like this of anger. Like I'm angry, God, at you. I'm angry at the world. And there's also psalms like this, like, I'm just broken. But Psalm 39 is a rare one. Psalm 39, Psalm 88, Psalm 109. You know what that's a psalm of? Talk to the hand. Leave me alone. Help me. Leave me alone. Help me. Leave me alone. Did you hear it? So if you put up just the last verse there, of, of, of the last section that we, we showed up. Of, of, of Psalm 39, yeah. Um, just the end of the psalm. Yes. Uh, one... Um, Oh, can you go back one more, please? Uh, uh, what's the end of this? Did you go to the end? Okay. Oh, there we, yes, leave it right there, okay? This is good. This is actually verse 7. This is where I want to stop. This is really something. The psalmist does something in the, in, in the Hebrew, and, and Robert Alter brings this up. Robert Alter is this guy at University of California, Berkeley. Great. He's a fantastic Hebrew scholar, but in his version of, the, of his rendering of this, the psalmist is saying this, I am silent. I do not open my mouth. And in the, in the original, this is so striking. For it is you who have done it. He's not silent. You know what the psalmist is saying? Lord, I'm tired, I'm tired. But you, you are comprehensively in control, and I can say there's all kinds of reasons why I'm upset, but it's mainly your fault. You did it your fault. You did this. You could have stopped it. You didn't stop it. You did it. Can you believe this guy said this to God? And it's in the Bible as a form of faithfulness? Yes, because we're afraid to say it. Have you ever been disappointed in life? And you thought, well, I, I can't say that. But you're thinking, Lord, you did this. You could have stopped it. You could have done something else, but you did this to me. Why? Why? They said it. Lord, you did it. Oh, I I, I wish I could somehow express to you how striking this is. As a child of God, someone saying to God, you did this to me. So help me and leave me alone. This expresses that whole thing. Help me, leave me alone, help me. This is a position of faithfulness. This means that as, as Christians, as those who need God and need each other, We have the right to say, God, help me, but you got to leave me alone too. Because why do we say leave me alone? Because the things you're giving me are not really enjoyable. So I'm going to be honest with you. This is what kids say sometimes. This is what adults say. This is what faithfulness looks like. And this helps us crucify our idolatry of niceness, which has no place in the kingdom of God. Now, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self control, those all belong. Niceness is overrated. The psalm is not playing with niceness. Does that make sense? And I love the fact that in life, there's not often resolution. Lord, I need your help, and I need you to leave me alone. Have you ever wanted to say that to God? Sometimes we say to God, God, please come near. And sometimes we say, I'd like to say, God, leave me alone. Well, why is it in the Psalter? Why is it in the Holy Book? Why is it in the Scriptures? Because we think these things, and God is saying it's okay to say them. So say it, or else you're not being honest with me. Niceness is overrated. But how does this help us be faithful? It encourages us to tell the truth. Have you ever noticed that certain motions, even though like niceness and politeness, those are good things, but they actually suppress reality? They actually suppress what you're feeling, thinking, wanting to say? That's not good. Because Jesus is the way and the truth. And if you suppress the truth, you're not pleasing to God. We do recovery meetings. You all know that. We have Cocaine Anonymous, which is like AA, except whatever your addiction is, you're welcome to come. And those meetings are all about truth. And they're filled with kind people. But you know what? No one ever says when they walk away from an AA meeting, well, that's a bunch of nice people. No one ever says that. They're good people. They're kind people. But not once do you hear people say, oh, they're a bunch of nice people. Nice, this is overrated. Overrated. Because it hides It hides things. And Jesus says, if you want to be in my family, no hiding things anymore. Jesus is good. He's kind. But if we're honest, he's not nice. And he never sinned. So it's not a sinful thing to be accused of not being nice. No, we have to be kind. I'm saying that. And we have to be gentle and unselfish. But niceness... Is overrated. I came across something this week that really startled me. Um, I'm a big fan of Saint Teresa of Avila, and she um, she was quite a reformer in her day. And she actually wrote a poem called "In the Hand." She wrote several poems, but I want to read you this one she wrote called "In the Hands of God," because it sounds like someone who's steeping themselves in Psalm 39. And I love how she talks about her relationship with God in this poem. So please permit me to read to you In the Hands of God by Teresa of Avila. This is her poem. I am yours and born of you. What do you want from me? Majestic sovereign, unending wisdom, kindness pleasing to my soul, God sublime, one being good. Behold this one so vile, singing of her love to you. What do you want from me? Yours you made me, yours you saved me, yours you called me, yours you awaited me, yours I did not stray. What do you want from me? Good Lord, what do you want from me? What is this wretch to do? What work is this, this sinful slave to do? Look at me, sweet love, sweet love, look at me. Can you believe she said that in a prayer? She called God sweet love, sweet love, look at me. What do you want from me? Isn't that beautiful and how honest it is? Because you can almost see God saying, oh, you're a little too honest. It's, 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 kids do this. I love that when kids, when kids really are talking to their mom or dad and they're getting a and they know that we're like, oh wow, that's a bit much. And we turn our head when kids go, like, hey, look at me, look at me, Dad. My kids used to do that all the time to me. Where they, dad, 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 right here. Like, oh, okay. You know what that means? My sweet love, look at me. I'm really upset right now. Can you please help me? that is so engaged in prayer. I love what she said. My sweet love, look at me, my sweet love. What do you want from me? Oh, wow. Would to God we can all be honest like that. You know what's so beautiful about this? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. We're free to talk like this to God not only free, I think we're required to do so. Because faithfulness means that we've got to feel everything at once, and sometimes there's not a lot of resolution. Sometimes it's okay, it's the Daniel the Tiger of theology, you know, that you can feel two things at the same time. So you can want God's help, and you can want to be left alone, and you can want God's help. When we were kids, we lived in New Orleans for just a a brief period of time. I was 11. I had two little brothers at that time. Well, I've got a big family, but my brothers were perfect ages for big brothers. Um, I had a five-year-old brother and an eight-year-old brother, and my five-year-old brother did everything I asked him to do. So I'd ask him to do dangerous things, and I'd make sure I wouldn't get in trouble. Like, hey, if you wear this cape and you jump off that planter onto the grass, you can fly. Really? Yeah. Try it. So he got up on a three-foot planter and jumped off into the grass. Belly flop, you okay? Yeah, I didn't fly, Mark. Okay, this is good. Okay. Don't tell mom and dad. I was like, that was awesome. I I got my little brother to jump three feet off the ground and do like belly flop. So, he doesn't even remember this, but I would try to do you know, So that's the kind of see, I wasn't I wasn't nice. It was funny but I was kind. I wasn't a nice brother. But my brother did something I'll never forget. At that day, I I thought, and I I actually changed. I thought hey, he could have got hurt. I don't want him to do that anymore. So I didn't have him jump off planters. But about 30 minutes later, he was outside running like this. He'd run. And I stopped and run like he was doing, like a, like a wide receiver, trying to get open. You know, it was being covered. And I said, Dave, what are you doing? And I'll never forget. He said, I'm trying to fake out God. I don't think it's working. And I remember thinking, wow, that's so deep. I mean, it's like God said, listen to your brother right now, Mark. I'm trying to fake out God. I don't think it's working. Have you ever tried to fake out God? It doesn't work. Because even though we're free, I mean, he, he just summed up human freedom and God's divine sovereignty and the, the just the complexity of both, that God is comprehensively in control of all things, and yet we are really free agents, and nothing surprises God, and we can't fake him out. So if we can't fake him out and we're free, That means he knows what's going to happen, but he doesn't necessarily cause it to happen, but he can do things about it and it's very confusing and we just have to admit the truth. And sometimes that truth boils down to the fact of this, Lord, you did it. I can say I caused it, but you know what, in the end, I think you did this. And what do you want from me? So please help me. And. Also, can you give me a break while you're helping me? Can you hear that now? Can you give me a break while you're helping me? That's all the psalmist is saying. I need your help, but I'm kind of the, I want to, I need you. But can you throw me a bone once in a while? My sweet love, my sweet love, what do you want from me? Oh, I love this psalm. And I love this for this reason. It's an expression of faithfulness. But we're not taught that in seminary. We're not taught that in Sunday school. We're not taught that in our churches. That kind of posture, that kind of plain speaking, we think that can't be Christian. That can't be uh, ancient and holy. You know why? Because it's not nice. You're right, it's not nice. But it's really Really good. And it's available for us. It's available for you. And it's okay to say to God, God, I need you. But you got to leave me alone a little bit too. Please leave me alone. And I know you understand this. Help. Leave me alone. Help. That's for you. And that's for me. Let's pray. Lord, you give us a lot of freedom in the Scriptures. Um, And in all honesty, there are times we wish we would have prayed these things and thought these things. Would you please give us freedom to be as frank with you as the Scriptures and those in our family from the ancient past were honest with you. Give us the freedom to say the things that the psalmist says. And help us, Lord, as we do this. Know that we're being faithful and not rebellious towards you. We're so grateful for you, Lord Jesus, that you give us this kind of freedom. Please set us free in our prayer life, we ask in your name. Amen.